Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 86. Our guest today is Philip Valitza, founder of The Product Startup. Philip is a freelance engineer and works with small business owners and entrepreneurs to help them turn their ideas into physical products step by step. Instead of developing the products for them, he teaches them how to do it themselves with the help from experts when they need it. Many of his clients run a service business and are looking to add revenue or to improve customer retention. Some clients are doctors and other professionals who are looking to launch a side project. We'll be talking with Philip about why anyone can take a physical product to market and why the time is better now than ever before. Good morning, Philip. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Good morning, Shai. Good morning, Craig. I'm happy to be on. I can't wait to get into the thick of things and start talking about product development. Yeah, this is really in my wheelhouse. I love this space. I work with a lot of young startups and I'm a real student of this process as well. And I know you've spent an extensive amount of time here. Tell us how you got interested in product development. Yeah. So without belaboring the point, I guess I got started when I was a kid and we were coming over to the States and we were waiting for our papers to come and we were living in Greece. Mom was working two jobs. We didn't really have a whole lot of money. And I walked by a dumpster and I pulled out one of these toy dump trucks that kids are meant to take apart themselves. You know, they're multicolored with oversized bolts and things. And it was missing a front wheel. I found the wheel in the dumpster and I found some other type of bolt from like a toilet paper holder, shoved it in and it worked. And I was able to pull it behind me. It was this giant dump truck and I put all my other toys in it. And it was basically a new toy except for that wheel. And I thought, you know, it basically opened up this huge perspective for me that I had this control over my destiny in a way. And I had the power to change the environment around me through just tinkering with things and figuring out how they work. And that kind of propelled me into doing DIY type stuff and being the man of the house, so to speak, and working on home improvement things and getting my bachelor's of science in mechanical engineering and then went to work for small companies and entrepreneurs and then eventually bigger companies doing the same, you know, turning their ideas into products. That's such a great story. And, you know, so many business owners, entrepreneurs are really come from an engineering background, a tinkering background, you know, really inventors, if you think about it. Absolutely. The process of creating a product is kind of the same as creating a service where you're going out there, you're verifying that there's a market, and then you're iterating and you're creating these prototypes, whether they're test services or they're test products for businesses. You're just making sure that you're getting that feedback and you're evaluating if you're getting the response that you want and then kind of tweaking it and moving from there. And I know you have this great framework around product development. And so, you know, here you are discovering this <laughs> this dump truck that needed a little bit of help. And you were able to innovate and turn that into a great experience for yourself at the youngest age. So taking that forward now, where can a business owner look for inspiration for new ideas for products and services? So in my experiences working for other businesses, especially small businesses that don't have a lot of resources to go out there and get that quantitative data that you would like pay for another company for, you know, that market analysis data, the best sources for that are your existing customers. Because if you listen to them, 
they will tell you what they're looking for. And I found especially, and I say with deference because I've definitely worked for entrepreneurs and small business owners that don't have the bandwidth to take on a lot of this stuff. I've seen some customers get kind of sidelined because they feel that they're not getting listened to because there's not enough time in a day. And so you're just giving them the standard product and they might not be completely happy with it, but they're just taking it because it's better than the alternatives. And so a couple of the places that I worked at, it really was just as simple as sitting down, talking with clients and saying, what are your pain points around this product about? And you have to ask some open-ended questions, you know, start from the beginning. Uh, maybe it's a complicated product to install or what's the maintenance look like or, or is the documentation up, up to what you expect? You know, just really asking some open-ended questions. There's so much available that business owners don't always realize within their existing customer base. I think what happens is as you're growing your business, sometimes you're so heads down on process and sales, frankly, that you have this incredible resource that you're just not talking to. How can we construct uh, situations where we're getting more regular feedback from our clients so we can understand the struggles that they have and look for these opportunities? It's definitely going to take Basically, everybody in the company that has a client-facing role is going to have a role in this as well. Like in the companies that I've worked at that have done this really well, they tend to be kind of mid-sized companies because, again, some of the smaller companies have a really hard time implementing this. But in general, on the front end, when you've got your business development side that goes out there and talks to the customer in the beginning, and again, this depends on how complicated your products are. I tend to work on products that are in the, let's say, the ten dollars to $30,000 range. So they take some significant front-end sales. And so at that point, when you have that first touch point with the customer is when you can really have the opportunity to dive down and ask those open-ended questions. And then similarly at the end, when you deliver the product that they asked for, there needs to be a way to recapture some of that feedback whether it's a person-to-person survey or some other automated means that at least gives you a a thumbs up or a thumbs down or rates you uh, at least a few questions. Philip, when I've got a great idea and I've bounced this off a few clients and the concept sounds great, but I'm really not too deep in the engineering department side for maybe building a prototype, what kind of resources are out there that I can rely on? Yeah, so I always challenge my clients with trying to put together their own prototype in the beginning just because you have a much deeper understanding of the problem that you're solving versus any other company that you would hire or some other outside service. Plus, it's going to give you some of that additional data. In general, the ones I work with are willing to roll up their sleeves. And so I would challenge you to say, you know what, you don't need fancy tools or equipment. Just go out and cannibalize existing products and put them together and create a Frankenstein type of prototype and go back to the same people that you talk to and have conversations again with them and say, hey, is this on the right track? Try not to spend a ton of money in the beginning because you could definitely go off the beaten path and hire. And don't get me wrong, you can go on freelancer.com or upwork.com or find local people in your city, search for product development firms. There's a whole swath of companies that will either take on the entire process for you or just one or two tasks. But you can spend a lot of money really quickly if you're not on the right track. Along the lines of spending money, say I've got things looking good and it looks like a great potential at what point do I start bringing an investor involved? So in my experience, investors are reluctant to get involved unless you're an existing company and you already have a proven track record and they're not going to be investing in just this one product line, but maybe in your business in general. 
I think it's tough to get someone that doesn't know you to, to take a risk like that without having some sort of sales or at least a list of pre-orders. Something that you might look at instead would be having the market fund it. For example, early in my career, I worked for an entrepreneur that tested his ideas by going to trade shows and we would design something and maybe just create the shell of it and put the shell in the trade show and sell it as a finished product. And then based on the customer responses to that, we would decide if we would even go through the full development. Philip, what phase of the actual development process seems to take the most time and energy from the business owner? I'm going to answer that in two ways, because I think people probably don't spend enough time in the front end where you're verifying that you've got the right idea and that it's going to sell and iterating the product. You know, again, the goal is to get the most elegantly simple product you can because it takes a lot of work to edit it down. You can definitely add a lot of features to it, but um, that necessarily won't make for the best product. You want only the features that people find valuable that customers are willing to pay for. So I think that iterating between prototyping, designing, going back and forth with a client to verify that probably takes the longest time but people expect that to be the shortest time and either the manufacturing or the marketing side after that they expect to spend more time on that but in reality if you're doing a really good job on iterating on the on the front end you're already creating some buzz for marketing philip tell me about a recent client engagement where the product was in development and in the phases yeah, so I'm going to name a, actually a partner that I've been working with to create a kitchen gadget. And we were creating a product that's for bakers, and so a custom rack to baking a variety of things. And went through the whole process of meeting with bakers in the beginning to get their list of requirements and then coming up with something that's in the space that's competitive and created a prototype. We actually ended up having to make the prototype abroad because of the target cost that we have in order to sell it within a certain band. And then we iterated on the prototype a bit. And now we're at the design phase where we're making some changes to it. That said, it might not be a product that we chase to market because we realize that the audience is so segmented. In other words, instead of having one lump audience like bakers, we actually have subcategories in there that have different needs that there might actually be a variety of products that fit those needs. And so we might have to split up the product into a variety of different products. That way we get full penetration with each segment. Yeah. And segmentation is such a challenge, right? And if you don't get that right, you basically have nothing. No, absolutely. You can totally waste all your money with it. And I've even done that with the product startup, with my service and the podcast that I have, there's a variety of audiences that I attract to it. I do speak with small business owners and entrepreneurs, so very much the same audience that you have, but I also attract inventors. And early on, the inventor side of my audience was the most vocal side, the, the people that participated the most in discussions, but they're also the least likely to pay for services. <laughs> Isn't that painful, right? And that's such a great concept because when you think about your entire sales funnel and you look at the top of that funnel and some people are just so focused on piling as many people as they can just get those bodies because they think it's a numbers game and they're partially right because it is kind of a numbers game but you're looking at the wrong number you know you want less of the best quality people that are most likely to buy the thing you're selling and man that is so crucial because if you get that right in the product development stage you're halfway there yeah, Shai. So, and I'm going to kind of bridge these two concepts here. So something that I did recently with the product startup 
that was really helpful was do a audience survey and giveaway. And so I was able to have 20 questions or so on a survey and I, I polled the audience. It forked halfway through. So there was some intelligence in the survey. So as you went through, it kind of decided what stage you are in your business and then ask you related questions. And then based on that survey, I've been creating products and services you know, around that to fit the needs of the people. From a data standpoint, it wasn't enough data to call it a true survey where you could really extrapolate a lot of the data, but there were enough personal stories and I made enough connections and one-on-one conversations with people where now I have a core group of people that I'm definitely creating products for instead of, like you said, a mass audience that doesn't convert. And this is so much true for physical products as well. Yeah, it's such a great sign of really a maturing business and your understanding of what you do and the value you create and who you're creating it for. And, you know, I'm thinking also about product innovation in general. Having you here today as an expert, I really want you to fire up our audience here a little bit because what I find so frequently, and I know Craig runs into this as well when we work with small business owners, is they tend to be really attached to the thing that got them there today. And there's a lot of blind spots around what else is happening in the marketplace and what that might mean tomorrow. And it's changing and it's changing at such a rapid rate that a lot of business owners, they just haven't really baked this into how they do business. They don't have a regular process around innovation and they're missing opportunities. And if they stagnate, someone else is going to eat their lunch. Yeah, you actually touched on a lot of points, and I'm going to try to touch on a variety of things. So totally agree with you. The world is changing at a blistering pace. One of the reasons that I created the site was not only because people were asking me, hey, how do I get on Shark Tank or how do I get funded on Kickstarter? But it was because I saw this propagation of technologies. You know, we as business owners have now unprecedented access to consumer data, for example. So if you go on Facebook, you get a lot of analytics through there. We've got access to rapid prototyping equipment. Everyone's heard of 3D printers, but there's a bunch of other tools that have been created too. And then people have in parallel created design tools and software to make those tools, the 3D printing and prototyping stuff, a lot easier to use. Crowdfunding that I mentioned, you know, like Kickstarter has grown exponentially in the last five, 10 years. And then e-commerce has also become a lot easier to use. As you guys probably know, setting up a Shopify account or something like that is so much more easier now than selling an e-commerce 10, 15 years ago. And those trends are continuing, as well as the brokerages, some of the middlemen that used to be in between, for example, like the distribution and logistics of certain things are starting to go away. And we're seeing a direct-to-market approach. So you can go straight from manufacturer to sales. So for example, I've got a product that I'm selling directly on Amazon without anybody's intervention. It goes from Shanghai to California and into the warehouse. Yeah, it's complete outsource fulfillment. So there's no reason to sit on the sidelines. And if you do that, your competitors are going to come in. You know, and they're going to find ways to create more value and they're going to be able to do it better, faster, cheaper. And if you sit there and just wait for something else to happen, you're going to miss it. 
Yeah, and that's the hardest part is is finding out what you focus on, right? Is because it's just changing so quickly. Like I'm having a hard time monitoring all the changes in technology and just the design side of things. And like you said, there are competitors out there. They're taking advantage of all of this. Like two years ago, Amazon, for example, wasn't as competitive as it is now. And now I'm finding that a lot of my listings, if you're not on top of it, it changes every two or three months. Yeah, so great opportunity, but uh, definitely requires a change in thinking. And and so I would argue that the real message here for the business owners listening with us today is that you have a huge advantage. And that advantage is you already have customers. You're selling them things. You need yep. to learn what you can. And, and I think Philip has really emphasized that today and see what the other opportunities are and find out the struggles that they have and see where you can use that relationship to create more value. Here's the one thing that startups don't have, like you said, they don't have the relationships and they don't have that deep understanding of the market. And in some cases, they don't have the distribution, although that's changing again because the the models are now where the barrier to entry is a little bit lower there. And so if I was a mid-sized company, I would definitely start attacking some of the smaller niches that the bigger competitors aren't in. Because they could easily dive into a smaller niche if whenever they want out of an experiment. They just throw money at it, right? But as a mid-sized business, that might take a little bit larger move. But you understand the market better, and you can end up owning that tiny segment of the market just by how much attention that you put to it and you know, how careful you are to craft a product around it. That's such a great strategy, Philip. We've really enjoyed having you on the show today, and I know that you have a great podcast, and I definitely want to put a plug in for that show. And maybe you can tell us a, a little bit about the show as well as any other resources you'd like to offer our listeners. Yeah, I'd love for you guys to check out the site at theproductstartup.com, or you can check out the podcast on iTunes. It's under the same name, The Product Startup, and I focus on physical products, but you could apply some of the same things to services. Um, a lot of the clients that I take on are service-based businesses that are adding product lines to their service-based business. So we interview entrepreneurs and small business owners and experts and, and basically talk about taking idea to market. Our guest today has been Philip Velitza, founder of The Product Startup and freelance engineer working with businesses to turn their ideas into successful products. You can learn more about Philip as well as find links to his website and resources including his document on 108 resources that are all free to take new products to the market, all in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. This episode has been sponsored by Aligned for Business. That's Aligned, the number four, business.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.